From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Christopher from Exemplar Companies. Christopher, it's really nice to have you on. Great to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So first to kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself? Who are you? And then also, what's your company and what do you guys do? Sure. Maybe I'll start with the company if I can. That'll be, then I'll contextualize it. But I'm a founder and CEO of Exemplar Companies. We're a Delaware public benefit corporation that combines the first non-billable hour law firm in American history with a tax firm, tax accounting firm, a business advisory, and a FINRA member broker-dealer investment bank. We focus in serving revolutionaries, game changers, and impact businesses and taking them from cradle to gravy. I love it. Awesome. And maybe a bit about you and what's your story? Like, how'd you get into this space and all this? CFO in the fintech boom in the 90s, trading options during college, half paying attention and half paying attention to the markets. This is the heyday of the 90s, of course. A lot of fun, but we were consuming professional services firms like crazy, big firms, law firms, tax firms, needed to do securities lawyer and a one of these and a one of those. And by the time you ever got everyone together and they're all billing you by the hour, uh, nobody gave you any clear answers. They all pissed all over each other trying to be smarter than the other. And when you got the bill 60 to 90 days later, it was always a shock. And it just seemed so awfully misaligned with the value that we wanted as a customer. That put that thought away. After that experience, went to law and business school, got my master's in finance and economics and law at the same time at in Boston. Really loved it and came out and said, this is a problem we can solve. So We brought all the professionals that businesses need to get on in the world together so they didn't have to get it from 10 different places and send each of them $10,000 retainers just to talk to them. And it's been a great journey ever since. Absolutely. I love that. So when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, you built this company. I'm sure there's been a lot of things you've learned in doing so. What are some tactics and strategies you've used to grow the company and succeed over the years? One of them is... You got to have stick with itness. There's something about the change in the generations. It seems like some people are giving up on sticking with it, but there's a lot of success leaves clues. There's a lot of successful people in business who have outworked the others. And it's not just about working hard. It is about working smart, but, but it's a stick with itness, meaning really find your passion. I knew this was, I knew this was what I needed to be doing. This was my calling. So from the standpoint, of like pick once, you can only spend your life savings once or twice in your lifetime and make sure that you're passionate about it, you're calling, but then stick with it, iterate it. Now, every champion is a 10,000 time failure, meaning they had to fail something 10,000 times before they became a champion. Yeah, I love it. And tell me about the team you've built. What's been your approach to building a solid team? Team is everything in our kind of business. So particularly, I'd say it is in almost every business, but in knowledge work, are we are the product, right? You're buying knowledge from teams. So the cultural fit is really important. The values fit is really important. And things like the no asshole rule that we have, we're in an industry notorious for bad service and for self-accommodating jerks, the type A personalities. So it's been a lot of fun to filter filter those out through the sieve, but also also just look for people who are more diverse and more interesting and business savvy than a traditional professional that is in a silo. Absolutely. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned as you've done this company and kind of built things and all that? 
Trust your gut, measure twice, cut once. But you know, in the stock market, they say buy low, sell high. So easy. Everybody nods their head like, of course. And then nobody does it. <laughs> it's because human psychology causes you to do the opposite. One of my favorite inspirations, maybe it's Jack Welsh and his sort of strategy for human capital was higher, slow, fire, fast. But when you're growing fast, it, of course, tends, it tends to push you to grow to higher fast. And if you have a big heart or you care about people and their success and growth, it might cause you to fire slow. But I would say that you really need to do people a favor because as the leader of a business, it's your job to make sure people are successful in your organization, but it's also your job to make sure that you know the early signs of when people won't be and send them to a place where they can be, which won't be with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it's, I know when we're growing, it's okay, we need somebody tomorrow. And it, it is tempting to do that. And then, like you said, when you have people, you know, you care about the person, but maybe they're just not quite the right fit for the role. It is tough to let them go in that case. So it's like against the psychology or something. Yeah, there's a lot. And we serve founders at a high sample size. So we know a lot about the things that CEOs and founders of businesses struggle with when it comes to human capital. It's fascinating stuff. And there's a lot, there can be self-doubt, right? Am I giving this person enough of a chance? Did I communicate what I needed? Does he know we need more support and instruction? But at the end of the day, you've got to figure out how to balance needing to self-improve as a leader with needing what you need at the moment, at a certain moment in time. You don't need to, you don't need to blame people, but you definitely need people that are right for where you're at. For sure. Let's talk about content, LinkedIn, all this stuff. Are you doing any of that? Has that been contributing to some of your growth and all this stuff? Yes and no. We're in a high referral industry. So unlike a lot of consumer products and other things where the public face of marketing has become very important, we've tested over the years, social media and other things. And I could tell you that this spend has never paid off in any aspect of social media. Publishing knowledge work pays off in SEO in a slow trickle over time. People search topics and they find you. That has helped. And I would say that's more about publishing than it is about using a particular tool. Our team does use LinkedIn regularly. And I think that it's a good business tool. It's not caught up in all the noise of the famous people on Twitter or Instagram or mom and dad and grandma on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. What's the most difficult challenge you've faced so far as CEO and how do you overcome it? The hardest part about business isn't the business, it's the people. If you really care about changing culture, shaping culture, or having unique culture, your biggest challenges will be in culture because it's easy to find people with a brain, a skill set, and a pulse ready to work for money. But when you start to add no assholes and values alignment and caring about the customer and willingness to learn, evolve, and change, and look in the mirror every once in a while, you start to realize that's a smaller and smaller sample size of people. So I think that's the hardest part. Absolutely. And if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice before you became CEO, what would it be and how did it have changed your approach? <laughs> I like that question. I think that there's some ways, and maybe it's more of a spiritual answer that I think it was perfect the way it went. Not because it went perfectly, but I did a CEO interview once on a podcast I was leading and, and I asked him about his lessons and he said something insightful that I thought was cool to share is that you just got to get jumped in the gang of business sometime. If you know it's your passion and your calling, don't listen to, don't listen to other people. Got the crazy fucker that made the light bulb failed 10,000 times. Nobody thought it was possible. And because he was crazy enough to continue to believe, we all have light. 
Absolutely. I love it. Can you describe a time when you had to pivot business strategy and how do you make that decision how to go? My definition of a startup is that you go, you iterate a lot. You could call it whatever you want. Some people say you might get distressed a lot. You might get, you might fail a lot. You're, the point is you're trying, you're iterating. Iterating is the name of the game. And so I would say the time between iterations and pivots and business model is gets farther and farther as you grow. And you get become more stable. You stick with the things that work. You try five new things, two will work. You shoot the other three, try another five next year. And being okay with that and understanding that is part of the recipe for success. You know, how quickly you try stuff, fail and move on and pick the best one, stick with it is going to define you and your competitive advantage in the long run. For sure. If you could offer one piece of advice to your industry as a whole, what would it be? Look, we keep up the good work because they're our best referral source because they're awful at serving clients generally. So no, really, I think there's a generational shift all around, but it's happening in knowledge work where people don't want to be slaves in a cog in a wheel to the old machine anymore. And I know I really think I would say, keep it up to this generation that are choosing to, um, choosing to be at places they're passionate about and not just take a job to take a job. Standing up for your values is hard and it comes with some sacrifice, but it's always worth it in the end. Christopher, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. You got it. Happy to be here. Thanks a bunch.